Good morning, church. Welcome to church. This is the last Sunday in September. Can you believe that? We're already a third through our spring. I'm really excited about the message um, I'm bringing this morning. Uh, the revelation I got as I was writing it up and the impact it's had on my life. I'm excited for you guys to partake in it. How many of us have traveled overseas? Haha, <laughs> we're in an international church. Most of us have. Do you recall a time where you've traveled to a country and you've gone there and it's nothing like you imagined? Either they're speaking a different language, the way they do things is so different. I remember when I first came to Australia and I went to uh, just visiting some of the shopping malls and I would get to, the, to an entrance of a store and the doors would open. I'd never seen anything like that in my life where doors would just automatically open or someone gave me a lift and they, put, they went to fuel and put fuel in their car. I'm like, what? There's no one to attend to your car? That was really foreign to me. The funny thing is when I went, then went back to my country, I went to visit a bank with uh, my mom we got to the entrance and I just stood there. And she's like, why are you standing there? I'm like, oh, I was just waiting for the doors to open. I had acclimatized to how things happen in Australia. Recently, uh, well, not recently, last year, my husband and I, we traveled to Spain. And the first three days we were there, the program, there's a program I was a part of and our day was scheduled. And on the program, it would say dinner. Six o'clock, I was expecting to go to dinner. I remember one night, we did not have dinner till 10.30 p.m. I was already sleepy. I had jet lag, and I just wanted to sleep. But I was super hungry. Why am I telling you these stories? The reason why I'm telling you these stories is when you and I, or when you travel to a different place, you need to learn how things are done in that place. So in the Bible, Jesus told many parables where he likened the kingdom of God to something. For example, in Matthew 13, verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. Mark 4, verse 26, this is Jesus speaking. It says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Mark 4, verse 30 to 31. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. So when Jesus came to earth, he was telling us what the kingdom of God is like. So when you and I got born again, we were immediately translated to the kingdom of God. Just like I, when I came to Australia, I didn't understand a few things. When we first get into that kingdom of God, we don't understand how things work. And as followers of Christ, it is paramount that we understand how the kingdom of God works. Otherwise, one will be lost, things will be lost in translation, 
we'll get frustrated. We'll start saying this kingdom doesn't work. The kingdom of God works. It's a matter of you and I understanding the principles, the rules, the laws of that kingdom. The definition of a kingdom is the king's domain. Essentially, it is a place or a realm where a king exercises dominion and authority, where the king's sovereignty is uh, felt and is exercised. So in our world today, countries are examples of what can be called kingdoms. I know in Africa, we actually call certain parts, depending on your tribe, it'll be called this type of kingdom, that type of kingdom. And the rules and regulations and the customs of those areas are different to each other. So each country or kingdom has different rules and principles and laws. If you travel to a different country, I went to Spain last year, I don't speak Spanish. I had to use Google Translate, but after a few days, there's a few words I could say because I was uh, saturated, I was surrounded by that language and I started to pick up a few things. One of the most known verses in the Bible is Matthew 6:33. Most of us can recite this without even opening our Bibles. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all things will be given to you. According to this verse, it is saying, when you and I enter, so it's like us getting off at the airport. As soon as we set our foot into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom, the first thing we need to do is to seek first his kingdom. Essentially, this verse is telling you and I to understand how the kingdom of God operates. You might be saying, how does that affect me? How does that impact me? In Galatians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. So you and I are heirs in the kingdom of God. Some versions of the Bible, when you open the New Testament, it actually says the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. So the Bible is our will. It has our inheritance. It has all the things that are listed that belong to you and I. And in this season, God is inviting all of us to partake of the kingdom inheritance. The main text I'm going to focus on today is the parable where Jesus feeds the 5,000 men. I'll read the one, the version where it's in Mark 6, verse 34 to 44. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, 
That would take more than half a year's wage. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Verse 38. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the bread, sorry, taking the five loaves, imagine these are five loaves, <laughs> and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten were 5,000. I'm going to use this story to illustrate some of the kingdom principles that you and I should operate in. The first principle is the principle of faith. In verse 35 to 36, this is where it says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and find something to eat. The disciples had faith in the economic system. Why I say that is when Jesus asked them to feed the people, because Jesus' response was, you give them something to eat. I can imagine the disciples started looking at each other thinking, did he hear what we said? It's getting late. We're in a remote place. There's 5,000 men. If you read some of the commentaries, it says, plus women and children, there would have been over 20,000 people there. And Jesus' response was, you give them something to eat. They were only seeing things in the natural. For them to come to Jesus, they would have been watching the time, looking, what time is it? It's getting late. They would have discussed among themselves, say, how are we going to feed these people? The fact they went to Jesus whilst he was speaking shows you that they didn't have a solution in the natural. And their solution was to send them away or to, to spend six, over six months worth of money buying them food. So the disciples had faith in the natural. Contrary, Jesus had faith in the kingdom of God. In verse 41, it says, Jesus takes the bread and the fish, looks to heaven, gives thanks. In the natural, Jesus just made a prayer. But in the spirit, that bread... And that fish, when Jesus looked to heaven and gave thanks, was immediately translated into the kingdom of God. What happened when it was translated into the kingdom of God? It now began operating under the kingdom principles, under the kingdom laws, and not the natural laws. So the bread and the fish were now not limited to the six-month wages that the disciples were talking about. So in your life right now, do you have faith in the natural systems or your faith is in the kingdom of God? 
That's a question to me as well. I've been really reflecting as I've prepared this. Where is my faith? Where is your faith? In Romans, it tells us that faith comes by hearing. If your faith is low, if you want to build it up, spend time in the word. Like I said, the word is our constitution. Each kingdom has a constitution. Which side you drive on in any country, you can't just go somewhere and just start driving on the same side you drive here in Australia. You'll be in an accident if, say, you go to Canada or America because they drive on a different side to us. Each kingdom has, the, has a constitution, rules. Time spent in the word of God is us seeking first the kingdom of God. So as we spend time in the word, our faith will grow and we will find it easier to operate in kingdom principles. So if you look at your situation today, are you filled with fear or anxiety? What is the loudest voice that is speaking to you? And if it is one that is causing you anxiety, you're listening to the wrong voice. That wrong voice can be the media. That wrong voice can be professionals. Not saying they're not blessed in what they do, but is that the voice that you need to be listening to as a citizen of the kingdom of God? So that was the first principle, the principle of faith. So for us to operate in the kingdom, first and foremost, we need to have faith that kingdom principles work. The second principle illustrated in this story is the principle of words. So looking at the situation that was before them, 5,000 hungry men, it's dark. The disciples said it would take six months worth of work to feed the crowd. They could have gone to Jesus and when Jesus said to them, feed them, they could have asked, how do you want us to feed them? But their response was an excuse. So Jesus, when Jesus said, feed them, they said it would take more than six months worth of wages. How many things are you and I giving excuses for? How many? Some of us, maybe God has spoken to you right now in the middle of this season and said, I want you to start a business. I want you to start investing. I want you to buy property. But you're saying, Lord, look at the economy. We are in a recession here in Australia for the first time in decades. If God is telling you to do that, what are you speaking back to him? Maybe God is asking you to change your lifestyle and you're saying, but God, I'm comfortable and it's too risky to change things right now. Let's just wait and see what happens. Maybe God is speaking to you saying it is time to reach out to your estranged parent, to your estranged child. And you're saying, but Lord, they hurt me. They hurt me so much. And I don't want to go through that hurt again. Maybe God is asking you to stay right where you are. But you're saying, I'm done. I've done everything I can. I've tried everything I can. I just need a break and I need to move on. 
So what words are you speaking back to God concerning what he has told you? Our words have power and our lives follow the direction of our words. So that was, this is the disciples. When Jesus spoke, they gave an excuse. Jesus, on the other hand, spoke words that were filled with hope. He said, give them something to eat. Feeding the crowd was never an issue for Jesus. I don't think he would even flinch. The how didn't matter. He knew the crowd would be fed. Otherwise, he would have stopped preaching at midday and sent them home. After he prayed, he gave the bread and the fish to the disciples. He had faith and his words backed that up. So looking at our lives, what words are we speaking? What words do we need to start to speak? You know, the morning and Wednesday prayers we are having have been amazing Eric and Jim have been leading us so powerfully. The words we have been declaring over our lives, over this church, over the city, the country, and even the world are filled with so much faith. They are so bold. If you're not attending, I encourage you to do so. My faith is being built up in these morning prayers. And that's the beauty of community. Our community looks quite different right now. But that should not change the way we commune together. The third principle I want to share that is illustrated in this story is the principle of multiplication. So after Jesus, I'll get my bread again, (laughs) gave thanks, he passed the fish back to the disciples and asked them to distribute to the crowd. I'm assuming Jesus broke the bread, gave it to disciple number one, disciple number two, disciple number three. I, this is just my imagination as I've read this story. As he gave them, nothing happened. But I guess by the time he got to disciple number four, this bread did not shrink. He went to disciple number five until he got to the twelfth. So the disciples watched as Jesus did that. And when they saw that the bread was multiplying as Jesus distributed it, their faith grew. They're the same people that said it would take us six months to work for this. But they took the bread and they went into the groups and they just followed the example that Jesus had shown them. So the food started multiplying in Jesus' hands as he broke and distributed it to the disciples. And when the disciples went to the groups of hundreds and 50, the food kept multiplying. Like I said earlier, some scholars say that that crowd could have been up to 20,000 people or more. After they all ate, Jesus asked the disciples to collect the leftovers. They filled 12 baskets from five loaves of bread and two fish. How did the food multiply? When Jesus prayed, that food shifted from a natural kingdom to the kingdom of God. And it began to operate under the kingdom principles. A natural need of hunger, of feeding 
a crowd of people was met and then there was overflow because the food was now subject to the kingdom principles. In the kingdom of God, there is no lack and there's no limitation. When we trust God with what we have and what we possess, multiplication happens. The same principles applies to tithing. And this was my big revelation when I started to tithe without any, mm, ah, you know, those. <laughs> so when we tithe, our physical money is then translated into the kingdom of God. And the rest of our 90% money is now subject to the laws, now subject to the principles of the kingdom. There are times when I've been faced with situations where I need a miracle and I need a breakthrough. And I just pray, I'm like, Lord, I claim my tithers rights right now. I am a tither, therefore this situation is unnatural to me. Let it be fixed according to your kingdom principles. I claim my tithers rights of provision. I've claimed that so many times. I claim my tithers rights of protection. I've claimed that so many times, especially right now. I've claimed my tithers rights of promotion. I've claimed my tithers rights for so many things. At times that's the only prayer I've prayed and always things turn around. This principle of multiplication is um, shown in other parts of the Bible. In the Old Testament, the widow who borrowed the jars of oil to pay her debt, the oil stopped flowing when it filled the last jar. If she had 20 more jars, that oil would have kept coming until it got to the last jar. The widow whose flour and oil multiplied and only stopped after the drought ended. She had supply for years. The Israelites had food supplied in the desert for 40 years. Right now, do you need to trust God to supply your needs? In Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. These are just three principles I've shared. There are so many more principles that are in the word of God. That verse, most of us, which we know, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Your homework, my homework, is to understand how things operate in the kingdom. There are many other kingdom principles we find in the Bible. For example, in this story, there's another principle of divine strategy. Verse 39 says Jesus directed the crowds to sit in hundreds and 50. Why would he do that? Because it would help the process of the disciples, you know, distributing the food. Another principle, I'll call it the principle of fragments, of not wasting. After everyone was fed, he asked them to collect the leftovers. And they collected 12 baskets. Do you know what they did with those 12 baskets? I don't know, maybe they took them home, fed their families, but that food was not wasted. Whatever need or situation you're facing, know that there is a kingdom principle that will be the answer. In the Bible, there are principles of healing. You know, communion, that's why we take it. By the stripes of Jesus, 
we are healed. That is a principle of healing. There are principles of promotion. If you look at Joseph's life, if you look at Daniel's life, there are principles of provision. There are principles of protection. There are so many others. I encourage you, as you read through your Bible, as you read through these stories of these mighty men and women of God, ask yourself, what kingdom principle is operating in this story right now? For example, the lady with the issue of blood, she operated in faith and she backed up her faith. She went out. She operated her words. Her confession was, if only I would touch. Jesus was surprised when he felt the power. The thing with the king, Jesus didn't need to okay that, oh yeah, that power can leave my body. She was operating under the kingdom of God. She had faith. Her words aligned with what happens in the kingdom. And then when she touched the hem, the power left Jesus. What situation do you need a turnaround today? If it's healing, God has promised us that by his stripes we were healed. He doesn't say you will be. It's already done. All you and I need to do is to partake in that healing. Kingdom principles supersede natural principles. But for that to work, you and I need to have faith that the kingdom principles supersede the natural principles. I'll just pray in closing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much because we live in a kingdom where you want us to inherit what you have promised us in the word, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you open our minds, you open our hearts. I pray for divine revelation, Lord, as we seek you, that you show us the different kingdom principles that operate, Lord. Lord, I speak, oh, Father God, for the gift of faith to arise to everyone that's watching, Lord, and everyone that calls this church home. I pray, oh, Father God, for people that need provision right now. I declare provision. I declare healing. I declare multiplication. I declare protection. I declare promotion, Lord, in all our lives. And Lord, above all, I pray that you would open our understanding of what it means to be kingdom citizens, of what it means to operate under that kingdom authority, what it means to operate under the kingdom principles in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for tuning into church. Like I said at the start, my life has changed. As once God started to teach me, and I'm still on the journey, I'm still learning. There's new principles I keep learning about. I encourage you to do the same, to spend time in the word and ask as you're reading the word, that's your homework. I always give you homework. As you're reading the word, what kingdom principle is in operation? in that passage you're reading. God bless you. Have a fantastic week.